the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. What's going on, everybody? It's another Algatulo Craft Beer Cast on AM 970, The Answer. Little Dio, stand up and shout. Uh, last week, uh, the week before in, uh, I guess, the third week of May, right, it would be, Holy Diver came out, uh, Dio's first solo album uh, that he ever did uh, back in 1983, which officially makes me an old man. And uh, just some unbelievable track. I almost feel like... Dio's first solo album, Holy Diver, was an extension of the two albums that he did with Black Sabbath. If you listen to Heaven and Hell and Mob Rules, and then you listen to Holy Diver, it's right in the same sort of vein. It could just as easily been Tony Iommi doing the guitar as opposed to Vivian Campbell. Now, I get it. Vivian was discovered and, you know, the whole thing, you know, fast, you know, licks. And he and Ronnie did not end on a good note, um, after the third album, they broke off, and I don't think they ever really spoke again. I mean, if you read the autobiography, it sounds to me like they never really talked again. Um, and and I like I think he was vaguely interviewed for the book. I think briefly, um, not by Wendy, his wife, but just you know whatever ancillary. Anyway, it's a shame. But now, Vivian, um, along with other members of Dio, at various points in their careers are doing their own thing, um, and I forget, I again, I, I forget, they're, they're touring with Lita Ford, Lita Ford's headlining, it's Sterling Ballroom, September, um, I might take a flyer on it just because it's, the tickets are cheap, and, you know, I want to check it out, and, um, you know, Vivian bounced around a number of different places, White Snake, Def Leppard, um, you know, I don't know, it'd be interesting to see, but a shame what happened um, between the two of them that they never really made up um, in the course of all those years, I mean, just... Three unbelievable albums, but Holy Diver was the first that put uh, Ronnie on the map as a solo artist, not as a member um, of a band. Now, we've got no guests on the program tonight. It's a short week for me this week. Obviously, Monday was Memorial Day. Uh, I'm, I was off this past Friday because I'm, I was down in Atlantic City. The Atlantic City Beer Music Fest, I will have a full review on that next weekend. Uh, so I had to sort of condense the show very quickly, and I didn't have anybody lined up uh, as a guest. So it's a, an all-news edition of the Craft Beer Cast, and there is lots of news to get to. Later on in the program, we're going to talk about beer festivals themselves and why they need to make a comeback 
and how they can be done a little bit differently, um, or maybe not so much differently, but in a way that Beer Fest should have should have been run from from the beginning. Uh, I think you'll find it interesting. Um, it, it, you know, it's not just about spending four hours getting drunk somewhere. It's about you know enjoying the experience and uh, you know and, and having a good time and sampling and enjoying new beers. Um, that's what beer fests are. We'll dive more into it in our third segment of the program. But let's dive into news here. Uh, Athletic Brewing, America's largest non-alcoholic craft brewery, has partnered up with Netflix on a new series of limited edition beers. Uh, founded by Bill Schufelt and John Walker, and we've had both on the program. Athletic Brewing, now the 13th largest craft brewer in America, the leading producer of non-alcoholic craft beer in the nation. Netflix, of course, uh, everybody knows Netflix. I, I don't really need to explain what Netflix is. Um, they basically um, put people on the map in, in terms of streaming, movies, uh, shows, et cetera, et cetera. So um, uh, they have partnered up Netflix with Athletic Brewing on three new limited-release beers inspired by its original shows. The first brew is Garrett's Gold. It's a non-alcoholic hoppy Hellas inspired by the hit fantasy drama The Witcher and the show's legendary anti-hero Geralt of Riva. Geralt's Gold now available for fans ahead of The Witcher Season volume, uh, season 3, Volume 1, which is coming to Netflix on June 29th. Um, all of Athletic's beers, of course, 0.5% ABV, uh, which is the legal limit for non-alcoholic beer in the United States. It's a medium body brew with aromatics of citrus and florals atop a ripe peach nose. It contains 65 calories and is made with Warrior Chinook Centennial and Simcoe hops. It'll be sold nationally in select retail locations across the U.S., as well as on the Athletic Brewing website, because, by the way, you can order right directly from athleticbrewing.com and have it shipped right to your door, because it's non-alcoholic. First 750 customers who order Garrett's Gold will also receive a free collectible glass that incorporates iconic symbols from The Witcher. So kudos to um, Athletic Brewing and Netflix. That sounds pretty cool. Um, especially if you're looking for something to drink that um, has that beer flavor but doesn't have alcohol in it. Now, um, two interesting stories here. So uh, Appalachian Mountain Brewery and Cidery, the founders have purchased the brewery and cidery back from Anheuser-Busch. I I don't know if this is going to be a trend, but it's very interesting. So um, Appalachian Mountain Brewery was founded in 2011 in Boone, North Carolina, by Asheville natives and cousins Nathan uh, Kelchick and Chris Sieber. They drew from their German heritage as well as their love for the outdoors in North Carolina to build AMB into an award-winning brewery that not only creates high-quality craft beers and ciders, but also gives back to its community. Becoming the first continuously operating brewery in Boone, North Carolina, AMB's original taproom opened in 2013, quickly became known for their hospitality and producing beautifully balanced crafts with their own southern twist. So in 2014, AMB partnered with the Craft Brew Alliance to help increase production and expand distribution across the Carolinas, and in 2018, CBA fully acquired the company. When CBA expanded its partnership with Anheuser-Busch in 2021, AMB joined AB's craft portfolio, where, among other milestones, they partnered with Bojangles Restaurants to release Bojangles Hard Sweet Tea in North Carolina and South Carolina to overwhelming consumer excitement. So Kelchick and Zeber led their efforts of AMB under these different ownerships. But after reaching an agreement to purchase AMB from their partners at AB, 
Nathan Kelchick and Chris Zieber share their sentiments. This is their quote from them. We're grateful to have spent the last two years as active founders within AB's craft portfolio and want to thank the people at AB, including our fellow craft brewery founders, for the support, collaboration, and friendship that we've enjoyed during our time together. Um, but they decided, you know what? We don't want to be known as a big, you know, as a part of a big brewery company. So we're acquiring it back. So I, either they raised the funds or, you know, whatever it was, they negotiated terms and AB decided to sell it back to them, which I think is great. Now, I don't think this is going to be a trend for most of AB's craft beer offerings, let's face it. Um, but. This is very interesting. So in addition to opening their new tap room in the Asheville area, Appalachian Mountain Brewery and Cidery will continue to own and operate their original location in Boone, North Carolina, and offer their beers and ciders throughout the Carolinas with their same wholesale partners and retailers. So kudos to them. Funky Buddha, listen to this one. This is, this, this is really weird. So Funky Buddha is coming up on their 10th anniversary. Funky Buddha was sold to Constellation uh, Brands a number of years ago. But the founders, Ryan and Casey Sense, are reacquiring the Oakland Park, Florida-based business from Constellation Brands. Both the Sense and Constellation agree that now is the ideal time for the original owners to reclaim control of the company and focus on beverage innovation, new consumer experiences, and additional product lines. Its flagship beer portfolio, including Floridian and Hopgun, will remain available for distribution, and the founders are excited to introduce new products. Uh, from Casey Sense, owner and co-founder, Beverage innovation has always been our biggest strength, and Ryan and his team have some incredible ideas in the pipeline as we approach our 10th anniversary. It seems like the perfect time for our business to evolve and reignite the community's passion for craft beverages. Now, the brand was acquired by Constellation back in 2017, and they expanded their distribution. You can get Funky Buddha beers in a number of different places uh, across the United States. Um, uh, Ryan Sense says, uh, we um, uh, enjoyed working with Constellation, uh, and we learned a lot from them. As we embark on the next chapter, we plan to push boundaries and create entirely new drinking experiences in beer and beyond. We'll be serving uh, good vibes on tap for many years to come. The reacquisition of Funky Buddha Brewery by the Sense Brothers is targeted for this month, sometime this month. So very interesting stuff here of breweries reacquired. Now, Constellation is now completely out of craft beer. This, I think, was their last offering in craft beer. So now they're completely out, and they'll focus on spirits and stuff, but uh, just very interesting. And kudos, kudos to, to both of these companies for you know figuring out how can we reacquire it and stand on our own and do what we need to do, and that's great. I'm very happy for them. And then finally, Wormtown Brewery in Worcester, uh, Worcester Massachusetts announcing the release of their first variety pack. The BU-themed uh, variety pack consists of four different IPAs, each with their own unique style and flavor profile. They're available in package stores in their local market and at their two tap rooms located in Worcester, Mass., and in Foxborough, Massachusetts. Uh, this is made up of the flagship West Coast IPA, uh, Be Hoppy, as well as three new IPAs. Be Fearless is a double New England IPA, bold and hop flavor, light malt bill. Be Wise, a hazy golden session IPA, balanced in flavor, easy to drink. And Be Smooth, a hazy New England IPA, the beer juicy, with notes of berry and pineapple juice. Uh, it is available in 12 packs, and as Dave Fields, the owner of Wormtown Brewery, commented, 12 packs, a natural step for any brewery because it's so popular with consumers. For us, we needed to make the idea fun for our entire brewery because these are hand-packed and take a lot of work. Uh, please enjoy and be happy that you did. They plan to release another IPA variety pack this summer, which will also be 
a limited time release. A number of Jersey breweries are doing 12 packs as well. Carton and Icarus are just two of many New Jersey breweries that are doing 12 packs. So that is an interesting thing. Bring some 12 packs, hit the beach, and have a great time. When we come back after a short break, more news and notes from around the beer world. This is the Algatulo Craft Beer Cast on AM 970 The Answer. Welcome back to the Algatulo Craft Beer Cast on AM 970, The Answer, the news-filled edition of the Craft Beer Cast. No guests tonight. Uh, again, as I mentioned, a short week down in Atlantic City for the Atlantic City Beer Music Festival, and uh, we'll give you a full recap on that on next week's program, uh, but we have tons of stuff really to get to, and so let's dive right into it, shall we? Bunch of things going on. Departed Souls having their distribution anniversary. That is coming up the weekend of June 16th. Eight years distributing beer in New Jersey. And as owner-brewer Brian Kubaki likes to say, it's the longest I've been able to keep a job. (laughs) So the weekend of June 16th, head over to Departed Souls in Jersey City. They're going to have special beer tappings, three brand new beers, music, and pet adoption events as well. And they are also thinking about doing a doggy costume contest. I don't know if this has to do with people dressing in dog costumes or actual dogs in costumes. So as soon as we get the information, we will get it to you, which is pretty cool. Jersey City does some great stuff, and uh, Departed Souls is doing some pretty amazing stuff with beer as well. And Brian's a good guy. So if you get an opportunity, get over there. I think I'm going to be down at Lagerfest at Icarus that weekend, but maybe on the Friday uh, when I get out of work, maybe I'll swing by uh, for a little bit because I'm sure they'll be open early. Uh, Now, if you're looking for something to do at the end of June, just in time for the long 4th of July weekend, and you live in South Jersey, well, why don't you join Three Threes Brewing, along with a number of other people, for the Wine and Ale Trail of South Jersey, Thursday, June 29th, from 5 to 9 p.m., for the Thirsty Thursday Jitney Tour. The cost is 25 bucks for the Jitney. It's a four-hour Jitney tour with one hour at each participating location, and you get an exclusive South Jersey Wine and Ale Trail tote bag with the purchase price. Now, for all of the stops, you have to buy your own uh, booze, obviously. And here's the locations. Uh, Blue Rascal Distillery, Chimney Rustic Ales, Three Threes Brewing, and Sharrett's Winery, which is very cool. So uh, grab a ticket. It's on Eventbrite. Just go to eventbrite.com. Search for uh, Thirsty Thursday Jitney Bus Tour Tickets. They will pop up. South Jersey uh, Wine and Ale Trail of South Jersey. Uh, you buy the ticket. It's 25 bucks again. And, they'll, and it'll explain where to pick up the Jitney, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, coming up on Sunday, June 11th, Big Alice Brewing in Long Island City is celebrating 10 years in their original Queen's Tap Room. They're having live music, food, beer releases, and more. Their back lot will be open to the public. Come spend the afternoon and the evening with them. On Sunday, June 11th, which is really cool. Uh, Our good friends from Dogfish Head, uh, this is cool. They're coming out with an Asteroid City Lager. It's a crisp and nifty lager brewed in celebration of Asteroid City, which is the new film by Wes Anderson. Asteroid City takes place in a fictional American desert town circa 1955, 
when the itinerary of a junior stargazer space cadet convention is spectacularly disrupted by world-changing events. Inspired by the movie's compelling and unique design aesthetic, Asteroid City Lager shares much more than a title with its namesake film. Just as Asteroid City is a rich and layered take on the typical science fiction flick, Asteroid City Lager provides a stratified, earthy twist on a classic lager's light and refreshing flavor profile. So it's brewed with regeneratively grown Pilsner malt, uh, Tuxpino corn malt, and Zuper Cesar hops for subtle notes of savory corn and a whiff of wild blossoms and herbs. Asteroid City Lager then finished with a mid-20th century Pennsylvania lager yeast as a nod to the 1950s era during which Asteroid City takes place. Not to mention, the beer's label, developed in collaboration with Wes Anderson himself, features artwork centered on one of the film's most eye-catching images. Essentially, it is a billboard advertisement for a billboard advertisement. Pretty cool. Focus Features will release Asteroid City in limited theaters in New York City and Los Angeles on Friday, June 16th. It expands nationwide on Friday, June 23rd. And Asteroid City Lager will be available to enjoy during the Asteroid City screenings, listen to this, at select Alamo Draft House locations nationwide, including those in New York City, Austin, and Denver. For the perfect pairing, guests can attend one of the cinema's Asteroid City Chili Supper Screenings were a custom preset menu featuring chili hot dogs, grilled cheese, themed popcorn, and Asteroid City Lager will be served. That's very cool. Tickets for Alamo Drafthouse Screenings of Asteroid City are on sale now at drafthouse.com slash show slash asteroid dash city. In addition to Alamo Drafthouse, Asteroid City Lager will be available for purchase both on draft and in four packs of 16-ounce cans at their coastal Delaware locations. Uh, where Dogfish Head is located, as well as other regional retailers like Italy, uh, New York City, in the Flatiron Building. Very, very cool. I want to try it because it's a lager, obviously. Um, but um, I think this is really cool that they're pairing up um, with um, Alamo Draft House uh, to have the beer being served. And if you've never been to Alamo Draft House, you should go because. It is um, a really cool place to see a movie. There's food. There's beer. Every one of them, excuse me, every one of them is unique. Um, the one they have here in New York City, uh, I forgot how it's themed. The one on Staten Island is sort of featured with a Wu-Tang Clan kind of theme. It's it's really, really cool. So um, it is definitely something, uh, it's definitely a movie has to check out if you're looking for a different experience in terms of watching a movie, which I think is a lot of fun. Uh, Sierra Nevada has returned to classic from 2015. That's exclusively, uh, that is exclusive this summer, along with other blasts from the past in the brewery's new fan favorites pack. Uh, Sierra Nevada Nooner, a 5.2% ABV German-style Pilsner. It's approachable yet full of spicy floral hop flavor from the use of whole cone European hops. Also in the 12-pack, you have Hop Hunter IPA, Ruthless Rye IPA, and Flipside Red IPA. It is available now in stores wherever Sierra Nevada beer is sold. Um, Unfortunately, we have to report on a closing uh, after working super hard for the last five years to create an incredible, inclusive, exciting new brewery in Portland. Hammer and Stitch has reached the end of the road. We are actively looking to sell the brewery equipment and or the entire business. We thank you and all of Portland for the chance to do something awesome and unique and look forward to seeing you all down the road. Cheers, Hammer and Stitch. Uh, hsbrew.co, you can go there and you can download uh, a PDF as they are actively trying to sell the business. It gives you, um, doesn't give you price points, but it tells you all of the potential of uh, buying the business, of potentially buying the business. And it's a shame. We're seeing more and more of this. We're seeing breweries in Jersey being closed. We're seeing breweries all over the nation being closed. 
Part of it is because of the pandemic. Part of it is is inflation. There are a lot of different things that go on. And, you know, really the bottom line is, I think if you didn't position yourself properly during the pandemic, I think it's coming back to hurt you now because the other things that have spiraled because of the pandemic, they were not prepared for. Other breweries were prepared for it. They deal with it. They deal with the downturn. And look, let's face it, with inflation, prices are more expensive. The war in Ukraine has definitely affected hops. It's definitely affected grain. It's definitely affected a lot of things that you need in order to make beer. So that's a that's a big deal. And it's a shame that we see uh, these things going on. Uh, but unfortunately, um, this is the reality of, uh, of a business and what happens. Uh, Ross Brewing, our good friends there, Raz Mello. It is their 4.4% raspberry marshmallow Berliner Weiss Sour. It's made with over 400 pounds of real raspberries, 200 pounds of real marshmallows. The beer pours a beautifully, a beautiful fluffy pink color. You get a nose of marshmallow right away, the taste of raspberries on your first sip, a sour pucker immediately after, and finally the ultimate flavor on the back end, Lucky Charm cereal milk. Light, delicious, sweet, and sour. It is available now in Ross Brewing's tap room. Um, it will be in store soon and on tap soon. Uh, and, of course, it is available on Tap Room uh, for home delivery if you live in New York. Our good friends from Alosta Brewing have the pre-sales for the Fubanchu California Blood Orange Summer Lager uh, that began already on Thursday, June 1st. Uh, you can click the link in their bio on Instagram, take you to the order page. There's two links in the bio. One is for shipping within California only. The other will provide you with a link where you can get the beer shipped to you if you live outside of California. Beer begins shipping in July. Don't wait to get your order in. The beer will probably be sold out. And again, they're doing this in conjunction with the band Fu Manchu, which is really cool. Lost has been doing this with a number of different bands over the years, and we love supporting those guys. Those guys do a great job in, um, uh, in where is it, Covina? Covina, California. Um, Six Point is running a sweepstakes uh, for a trip for two to Brooklyn. Now listen to this. The winner will visit the Six Point Brewery in Red Hook, their tap room in downtown Brooklyn, and they'll have a chance to see their favorite places around the city. Uh, you can tag a friend in the comments on Instagram. You want to come out to Brooklyn to win. Uh, sixpoint.com slash beeristculture slash NYC trip backslash if you want to check that out. And again, the link can also be found in their bio on Six Point on Instagram. They are building a downtown Manhattan brewery that's literally around the corner from where I park sometimes in New York City, which is supposed to open at the end of this year which is um, pretty cool, if you ask me. All right, when we come back after a short break, beer festivals, are they necessary? I think they are. And somebody has written about it, about how how to run a proper beer festival, doing it the right way to give more bang uh, for your buck. That's coming up next on the Alcatulo Craft Beer Cast on AM 970, The Answer.
Oh, yeah. I could listen to this song all day long. Don't Talk to Strangers from Dio and their Holy Diver album. Welcome back to the Algatulo Craft Beer Cast on AM 970, The Answer. Thanks for indulging me a little bit there. Forty years ago last week on May the 25th, 1983, Dio's first solo album, Holy Diver, uh, was released. Great album, Holy Diver, Stand Up and Shout, Rainbow in the Dark. Uh, Just unbelievable. I mean... Finding Vivian Campbell in Europe, and uh, Vivian was only on three albums with Dio, and now he's on a a new kick with a new band. It's not Heaven and Hell. It's something else. I forget what it is. Uh, And they're actually coming to the area. They're going to be at um, him and Carmine Apice, and I forget. Maybe it's Rudy Sarzo is with them. I don't remember, uh, honestly, off the top of my head. Uh, But they are going to be here. I think they're opening for Lita Ford. Uh, Starland Ballroom in September. And I have so much going on in September, I'd love to go to the show, um, but I'm not sure if I'm going to be able to do it. Um, but yeah, there's something going on. Anyway, 40 years ago, uh, last Thursday, the 25th of May. Unbelievable. Wow. Just uh, amazing. And Ronnie has been gone now over 10 years. Uh, he has certainly missed. Certainly missed. All right, so... Here's something I want to talk about in terms of uh, craft beer and festivals, right? Uh, coming off a weekend of incredible fun down in Atlantic City at the Atlantic City Beer and Music Festival. Um, Dropkick Murphys were awesome. Just a great time. Uh, I never have a bad time at John Henderson's festival. Uh, it's, it's a wonderful experience. But anyway, I, I want to get into this a little bit because I think it's important. And breweryindustryguide.com has this article by Greg Engert um, that's really good. It says, uh, let's make beer fests vital again. And the um, the underneath before it gets into the whole uh, article says, today with distributors cutting back and tough competition at retail, it's time to reemphasize the festival as a way to attract new customers. Here are some experience-based tips on running a successful and profitable event. So, um, you know, we had the pandemic. We had beer festivals that were, you know, obviously eliminated um, because of, you know, too many people and, you know, et cetera, et cetera, right? But festivals are making a comeback. People are coming to festivals again. And my friend Allison, who runs a number of festivals in New Jersey, she runs food truck festivals, she runs beer festivals. She always does a great job. Um, I judge at one of them, obviously, the uh, B3 showdown, uh, which is always great. But I've gone to a couple of her festivals where I'm just a, a spectator. Cheers and Chester is coming up. Westfield Hops is coming up in November, which I'll be at. Um, you know, a number of different ones. And this gentleman, I believe, helps out with um, uh, Snallygaster. Uh, he he, he um, helps out with beer festivals in the Washington, D.C. area for more than 15 years. And he says, Snallygaster, which is an annual event, I'd love to go to this one year, brings 180 brewers, more than 400 beers, and 9,000 guests to Pennsylvania Avenue, a rollicking day of food, music, and, of course, beer. So he gives you specific tips as to what to do in running a festival. Obviously, planning ahead of time. They start a year early. They get stuff in place. They know what's going on. And the earlier you do those things, the better. For anything, the earlier you do stuff, the better. I mean, I'm planning a 35-year high school reunion this year. And getting stuff out in advance and letting people know what the date is way ahead of time helps. And I have to tell you, even for running an event like a high school reunion, we gave people 10 months 
And even that was was met with resistance from some people. Well, you know, that's a I'm going away that day. This well, listen, I can't. You can't please everybody, right? So you pick a date and you hope that most people can come, and that's the way it goes. But the further out you plan, the better it is for you. His second point here, and I think he makes a great point, is simplifying the purchase. So when you run a beer event, a majority of beer events are you buy the ticket and you get as many samples as you want, which I think is the best way to do it. You're charging them 50 bucks, you're charging them $60, $75, unlimited pours for four hours. The right move. Now, again, you have to be responsible. You should take public transportation. You should Uber. You should have a designated driver. You shouldn't be drinking all day long and then getting behind the wheel of your car and driving home. Not a smart move. But an unlimited drink ticket in in the price is smart. Don't charge somebody $45 to get in and then tell them you get 10 drink tickets and then they have the ability to purchase more. I'm sorry, but that doesn't work. Especially in this day and age with inflation and everything else, people are selective as to where they're going to spend their money. So if you're telling somebody they got to pay $50 just to get into the building and they get 10 beers of two-ounce pours or even a four-ounce pour, even if you think about it, 10, 10 four-ounce pours, right? A pint is 16 ounces. So you're essentially giving them four, eight, 12, 16. You're giving them 10 pours. You're basically giving them two beers, two and a half beers is what you're giving them. If my math serves me correct. That's not enough. Are you kidding me? For four hours, at fifty, if you're charging them fifty dollars again, no, 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 not a good, not a good deal. So, you want people to be able to not unlimited drink, but be able to sample as much as they want for four hours. And obviously, you got food there and whatever. Now, food's included in the price. That's even better. Even if you have to make it a little more pricey, it sometimes is a smart move because people who eat, you know, that slows down the absorption of alcohol. Smart. That's a good move. Then uh, he's saying here, aim for the perfect number of beers to seats. So if you have too many beers at a, at a festival, you're gonna you're inevitably going to run into kegs are sitting, they're warm, they're not being used enough. Probably a smart, uh, a smart move, right? You want to have a good um, beer to seat ratio in terms of people being there and as many beers as there. Um, I would think having people... Uh, bring four different types of beer to a beer festival, maybe a lot. I think two is perfect uh, for a three-hour festival. I think three beers for a four-hour festival I think is is enough because you're going to sample one out of the three, maybe two out of the three, and then move on to the next ten. I think that's a, that's a good move. Um, yeah, you should have seats, but a lot of times that doesn't always happen. It's usually standing room only. The Atlantic City Beer Music Festival – there are some seats in a couple of spots, but it's mostly you're walking around the entire time. So, you know, you got to have strongly. And believe me, I'm, I'm not that good at being on my feet for, for hours now. Um, but I, you know, I soldier my way through. Let's put it that way. Uh, get more ice than you think you'll need. Smart move. Uh, rent those refrigerated trucks. Have bags of ice on hand. You're obviously charging the vendors for these things. Um, you should have as much ice as possible. Nobody wants a warm beer, and nobody wants to run out of ice. Smart, smart stuff. Um, Some some, uh, places use plastic cups. Uh, Glass is always better. Person wants to drink a beer out of a glass. Yeah, it's a little more money. Yeah, there's that that opportunity or chance that they're going to break the glass, they're going to have to purchase a new one. But, you know, that's the way it goes. 
the plastic doesn't work. Now, at a festival like the Atlantic City Beer and Music Festival, you got to keep costs down. So I get why it has to be plastic. You've got thousands of people cleaning up all that glass. That's a big deal. So I understand that. But at a smaller festival, glass. You should always have glass, and you should always have stations out where you can rinse that glass out to move on to your new beer. That's always a smart move. My friend Allison always does this at her events. There's a spot where you can rinse out your glass and move on to the next one. Always smart, especially if somebody's got a fruited sour. You don't want to drink that fruited sour for the rest of the festival. Always a smart move. So glass is always a good idea, but if you can't, make sure you at least have watering stations so that people can rinse out their glass. Um, Volunteer help. John Henderson does a great job of getting volunteers to help out at the Atlantic City Beer and Music Festival. That's a smart move. Um, The other one is getting a head start on emissions. This is vitally important. If you can get people checked in before the festival actually starts, that helps, especially when you're dealing with thousands of people, because when the gates open, you want those people getting in there and drinking. You don't want them to have to wait a half hour to get in in order to start having their first beer. Not a smart move. Then people feel like they've wasted their money. Uh, And one of the last points he makes here is treat your brewers. Make sure you take care of them. Give them VIP treatment. They're spending their time being there, losing money in their tap room. Maybe they have to close in order to be there. So take care of them. That's smart. And then finally, he says, enjoy it, That which is always a good thing. I always come away from a festival trying at least five to ten new beers, which is always a good thing. And I always want to go for the new beer because I want to see what partic- uh, a particular brewer is doing. And that's always a good thing. So... Uh, have fun at a festival, be responsible, but if you can do those little things, if you're going to run a festival, if you're planning on running a festival, always a good move, and it makes the festival a better time, and you want repeat customers. You want people coming back again and again and again. When we come back after a short break, it's time for Suds and Duds on the Alcatulo Craft Beer Cast on AM 970, The Answer. Final segment of the Alcatulo Craft Beer Cast on AM 970. The answer, as always, it is Suds and Duds, Rainbow in the Dark. Uh, probably the most ubiquitous song on Dio's first album of Holy Diver. It's the one that's played the most, um, you know, that you hear on uh, classic rock radio uh, because it's got that keyboard in there. It's got, uh, you know, just Ronnie's great vocals um, and that uh, that shredding of Vivian Campbell on guitar. It's just amazing and it's amazing it's unbelievable that he's been gone for as long as he has uh they had a ronnie james dio day in los angeles uh it's just the guy was unbelievable he really was unbelievable singer songwriter uh what he did with elf what he did with rainbow then black sabbath then he goes on to do his own solo career a doo-wop guy before that um just an amazing amazing guy and if you haven't read his autobiography um, you should, because it's great. It's a really, and it's a fun read. It's not long. Uh, I think it's less than, I know it's less than 300 pages. You can knock it out in a day if you really wanted to. If you're a big metal fan, it's definitely something that um, you want to take a look at. All right, let's dive into Suds and Duds, a bunch of different beers that I've had uh, over the last several weeks. We'll start off with Brewdog, a Bushwood beer. Um, 
This was sent to me by the folks from uh, BrewDog. It's their Pilsner. Uh, and definitely better than I thought it was going to be. Uh, a very good lawnmower beer. And when I say better than I thought it was going to be, um, it, it had been sitting for a while. It wasn't super cold. Um, it, it had been delivered, I think, to me on a Friday, and I didn't get it until like a Monday, Tuesday, because I was off, or whatever the case may be. And um, I didn't think it was going to be that good, because, again, it was cold, and then it was warm, and then it was back up being cold again. Grassy, slight bit of sweetness in this. Maybe a little too much sweetness for a Pilsner, um, but really nice. I, I enjoyed it. Definitely uh, a lawnmower type of beer. Friends come over. You want to have a beer or two while it's uh, warm out. You're sitting, in the, uh, you're sitting on the porch. You're sitting in the, in the, in the backyard. Great beer for it. Um, Hazy Wallbanger. Uh, this is by Coney Island Brewery. This was a can uh, that I actually drank uh, back in April before it actually was released by Coney Island. Um, orange and vanilla. Uh, you know, that sort of creamsicle uh, flavor and then a slight hit from the star anise, which really kind of, it almost threw me off for a second, but it works with the beer. And and, and Jim Jim Betts, who's the uh, the brewmaster for uh, Coney Island Brewery, uh, he knows what he's doing. And he adds these subtle little things in beers that you don't think are going to work. Remember last year I talked about how he did a kimchi pilsner that was just off the chain. That was that was so good. Uh, I wanted to drink it again and again. I was actually surprised by the spiciness and, and and the heat. Everything was just so well balanced. That's what he does. Get over to Coney Island Brewery if you haven't been there. You really should uh, take a trip. Uh, you know, you can hit the Cyclone, grab a hot dog at Nathan's, or if you want, they got a full menu in, at, at the brewery too. You can eat. Um, he's a really good brewer and he knows what he's doing. Good stuff. Uh, Jim, thank you for that. That was uh, great. Uh, then um, I got the um, some PR folks sent over to me. Uh, Corona has a new non-alcoholic beer. And I have to tell you, uh, I'm not a big Corona fan anymore. Uh, would I drink it in a pinch? Probably not. I would just drink hard liquor. Um, but I have to tell you, for a non-alcoholic beer, tastes exactly like a Corona. Just needed a lime. I mean, they sent it. It was ice cold. I had one in the studio. I mean, again, it's non-alcoholic. It's 0.5% uh, alcohol. Um, a really good beer. Just needed a lime. That's it. That's all, that's all you needed. Um, and you would, th- you would swear that you were drinking a Corona. Um, might be the second or third time that I've actually had a non-alcoholic beer that tastes almost exactly like the alcoholic version of the beer. Um, you know, and that's tough to do. And there are a lot of non-alcoholic beers out there now. I, I am amazed. I was in a liquor store the other day where I was amazed at the amount of offerings from local brewers. Uh, Forgotten Boardwalk is doing a non-alcoholic beer um, in, in New Jersey. To Brooklyn Brewery does a couple of different non-alcoholic styles, and they're very good. Um, they're everywhere. I mean, everybody's making a non-alcoholic beer. And again, I know what the argument is. It's got calories. It's got carbs. Why are you going to drink it? Because maybe you want to hang out with your friends and feel like you're having a beer without actually having a beer and not getting overwhelmed. I'll be honest with you. I have a bunch of non-alcoholic beers at home. If I go to a concert, I'll throw a couple in the, in the cooler because if I want to change a pace and I don't want to get overwhelmed, and maybe I've had enough water um, and I just want to have another beer, but I don't want to have an alcoholic beer, I'll have that. It's, it's absolutely a good option. It really is. Don't knock it. Uh, this was a can from Timber Rails that I bought at um, 
Craft and Carry on St. Mark's Place uh, on the east side. And finally got a chance to drink it. Forager's Daydream by Tim Burrells. An absolutely banging collaboration with Fidens. Tim Burrells does amazing stouts, but they do IPAs just as well as, as the big boys. I mean, honestly, great beer. I, again, I don't think I've had a bad beer from Timber Ales. They are so good. Uh, they're a joy every time uh, I drink one of them. If you see a Timber Ales IPA, go get it. You see a stout, without a doubt, go get it. You're not going to be disappointed. Extra, extra broccoli by Weldworks uh, Brewing. Ridiculously juicy. I think this was the collab between Weldworks and other half. I'm not really sure. Uh, but I got this on tap at uh, Paragon Tap and Table, and it was amazing. Then I had uh, my last can of This Beer Is Not Hypey Enough by Bolero Snort. This was a uh, collaboration between Bolero and The Seed for their anniversary. So good. What a great Pilsner. Um, excellent beer. So excited that I was at The Seed over this week, over this past weekend. Uh, we'll give you a full review uh, of that. I love that brewery in Atlantic City. It is a great spot if you're in A.C., Make sure you stop there before you leave. You will not be disappointed. Triple uh, Sevens by Twin Elephant. Uh, nice spicy Saison. Really enjoyed that. And then had a uh, Here There Be Monsters by Twin Elephant. A big old hazy delicious. They did a, a Brick City Twin Elephant um, uh, tap takeover uh, about a week and a half ago. I wasn't able to make it that night, but I was there that Saturday because I was at White Eagle Hall to see the record company uh, in Jersey City. And we pre-gamed. Uh, at Paragon, we had dinner over there, me and my best friend and his daughter. And boy, that was fantastic. And then when I went to White Eagle Hall, which is really cool, they have local breweries. So Departed Souls is there um, on tap. Cantankerous Blonde South Ward Ale uh, by Departed Souls. That was great. Had uh, um, an IPA from, I think it was Apex Predator from Ghost Talk. Delicious. They do have local beers there. I think uh, they have 902, uh, Departed, and Ghost Talk, uh, whether on can or on tap there which is great, um, so you can support local while you're in a local area, which is pretty cool. So uh, kudos. And White Eagle Hall, great place to see a show. The record company just absolutely killed it. Um, finally, uh, before we wrap up here, uh, Vine Pair has this um, list of the uh, untapped ratings, fastest growing, uh, brewery check-ins. So well, I'll do the brewery check-ins, which is interesting. So number one is First State Brewing uh, Company in Delaware. Um, they they have a, a three thousand percent increase in check ins, right? Uh, Zul Beer in Tennessee has a thirteen hundred increase. The Seed, which I just talked about, is number three on this list. Trace Brewing is number four uh, from Pennsylvania, and Wrong Crowd Beer Company is number five uh, from Pennsylvania. So that rounds out the top five. Uh, Fidens is in there at number twelve, being checked in. Um, trying to see what else. Mechanical Brewery in New Jersey, number 23, which is great. So you got two Jersey breweries uh, that are in for the check-ins. And then the untapped fastest-growing breweries in the United States, I'll give you the top five. Uh, number one is Fidens, not surprising. Number two is Tripping Animals in Florida, not surprising. Number three, Dewey Beer Company in Delaware. Dewey makes some really good beers, uh, surprisingly good. Number four, BrewDog. Uh, number five, Root, Brand- Root and Branch Brewing, which makes fantastic beer out on Long Island. Number six is Drecker. Number seven, uh, Minhas Craft Brewery in Wisconsin. Number eight is Hop Valley Brewing Company in Oregon. Uh, number nine, North Park in California. They make great beer. Number 10 is Zul Beer in Tennessee. Um, there, there are others. Magnanimous at number 11, which is great because I like Magnanimous. I was there at, at their Bradenton location. That's a great little brewery. Spot on stuff. 
Uh, really enjoyed it. Uh, the whole list is on uh, vinepair.com slash booze-news-fastest-growing. Um, but I will uh, link to it on our Facebook page, and I'll also link to it on Twitter as well, so you can check it out when you feel like it. But that's it for the show. My thanks to everybody involved in the program, and, uh, including uh, all of the people that uh, make this show happen, which is basically me and um, Alex Garrett, who loads the show, or usually or Matt Sambolin, uh, Mary, our sales girl, she is fantastic, does a great job, and of course, last but not least, the great buddy Watson. Back on the Joe Piscopo Show, Monday at 6 a.m., this has been the Alcatulo Craft Beer Cast on AM 970, The Answer. Cheers, everybody. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.